Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm number 77. Psalm number 77, beginning with verse number one. We'll read all 20 verses. Psalm number 77. The Holy Spirit told me that it would be appropriate to help us during these trying times as we read Psalm and study Psalm number 77. Then we'll have a special message for Easter on next Sunday, and then we'll finish the last two sermons in 1 Peter. Psalm number 77, beginning with verse number 1. It says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the world when your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. According to the New English translation, they interpret the last sentence in verse 6 where the ESV says, 
Then I diligently searched. The New English translation says this. I tried to make sense of what was happening. And so my subject, my, my, my topic this morning, the title is this. When life just doesn't make sense. When life just doesn't make sense. Earlier this week, I was talking to an older gentleman, and he, we were talking about this pandemic that we are currently experiencing. And he said to me, in all of my years, I've never seen anything like this before. And many of us can agree that we have never seen anything like this before. Oh, just last week, over 6 million Americans filed for unemployment. Businesses are shutting down. School buildings are closed. On top of that, before all of this, some of you were already experiencing trials and tribulations. You had children that were wayward, finances that were unstable, health problems that you were dealing with. As we think about where we are in America, we remember that before all of this coronavirus craze uh, started, we were thriving here in America, it seemed, on a, on a large-scale basis. The economy was thriving. Unemployment was low. Life seemed to be going so good, and then out of nowhere, we're in a pandemic. And some of you can probably say, this just doesn't make any sense. You've been through some times in your life where you just had to say, I just can't make sense of any of it. What do you do when life just doesn't make sense? I'm glad you asked. Asaph helps us here in Psalm number 77. He has gone through a period of time when life just doesn't make sense. And he gives us some simple truths this morning when life it's very hard. The first thing he tells us to do when life just doesn't make any sense, he says, number one, resolve to pray. That's verses one through three. Resolve to pray. In the midst of his trouble, he says in verses one through three, he says, I cry aloud to God. Then for emphasis, he says, aloud to God. And he will hear me. In the day of trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. The psalmist's resolve here, or his determined course of action, is to cry out to God. He has this expectation that God will hear him. Visualize with me his posture of prayer. He says, my hands are outstretched. And all night I pray and my hands don't grow numb. 
He says, I refuse to be comforted. He doesn't want just consolation. He wants resolution. In the midst of this, these nights of praying, he's still groaning and his strength is leaving him. But this psalmist teaches us when life didn't make sense for him, he ran not to man, but to the Lord. Beloved, that's what we must do when life just doesn't make any sense. We must run to the Lord in prayer. When it seems the Lord has hidden his face, we ought to seek his face. When life doesn't make sense, we ought not just pray a hurried prayer. We ought to spend extended period of time crying out to God. That's what this psalmist did. He pushed. He prayed until something happened. He kept on praying. He resolved to keep talking to God. And friends, that's what we must do. Beloved, the worst course of action we can take in times of trouble is to give God the silent treatment. Giving God the silent treatment is a manifestation of unbelief. Beloved, silence is a soul killer. We must resolve to turn days of trouble into days of prayer. Keep talking to God. So in these first three verses, he says, when life doesn't make sense, resolve to pray. But then, secondly, he says, when life doesn't make sense, report your pain. Report your pain. That's what he does in verses 4 through 9. Let, 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 let's be honest. There are times that we are so discouraged, disappointed, and depressed that we just don't feel like praying. What do you do when you're so hurt? that you don't feel like talking to God. The psalmist teaches us what to do. In verses 4 through 9, he reports his pain to God. In verse 4, he says, God, you won't let me sleep. He says, I'm so troubled, not only am I sleepless, but I'm also speechless. He, he remembers the days of old when, he, when it was evident that God was good, faithful, and present, and he longs for those times again. And then, there, here's really where the text gets really tense. He starts asking some questions that some of us feel uncomfortable and too risky to, to ask. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? When he says, will the Lord spurn forever, he says, will the Lord reject me forever? It seems as if God may never take pleasure in him again. Life has gotten so hard in verse 8, he says, has his steadfast love forever ceased? The word steadfast love, it can also be translated covenant love. Remember, a covenant is a binding oath where parties pledge to keep certain promises. So the psalmist is now doubting if God is no longer faithful. 
to his promises. So he feels forsaken. Look at verse 9. He says, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? So not only does he feel rejected and forsaken, he now feels forgotten. Have you ever been there? If you haven't, just keep on living. There will be times where you feel rejected, forsaken, and forgotten. Beloved, what I want you to see in this section is the psalmist rawness. He's authentic, genuine about how he's feeling towards God. He's honest. What he's doing here is lamenting. To lament is to mourn. A lament is a cry of desperation to God. If you've ever lost a loved one, you've lamented. To lament is to cry out to God in pain and grief. Lament typically asks two questions. One, God, where are you? And two, if you love me, why is this happening? Beloved, when life doesn't make sense, we need to lament. What we fail to recognize is that lament is actually a form of worship. It's all in the Psalms. A third, at least a third of the Psalms are laments. And this songbook from God He gives us lamentations. You think about it, even here at our beloved Bridge Church, most of our songs are celebratory and triumphalistic. We don't take the time to lament. When you are quarantined, you ought to lament. When you got two-legged things, always want something to eat, always whining and crying and want something else, <laughs> you ought to lament. Beloved, when life doesn't make sense, we need to lament. When you're feeling broken, you ought to lament. We need to bring our brokenness and our despair before the throne of God. When life doesn't make sense, you should bring your pain to God. He can handle it. God's not insecure. So right now, if you're feeling distant from God, bring it to him. Many Christians, oftentimes we think when, when we are suffering, when we're going through trials and tribulations, we're supposed to just grit our teeth and endure the pain and trouble. And often what happens is that leads to denial. But the psalmist teaches us that we don't have to be in denial. We can bring our grief to God. Now, let me make something very clear. Lament is not just bringing your complaints before God. 
Complaining is not an ends. Complaining is a means. Complaining is the means to trust in God. Lament invites us to turn our gaze from the rubble of life to the redeemer of every hurt. Lament calls us to turn toward promise while still in pain. And that's what occurs in the remainder of the text. In verses 10 through 20, in verse 10, the, 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 the psalm pivots. It takes a sudden turn. He says in verse 10, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. So when life makes no sense, here's what the psalmist tells us to do. Remember the past. What causes his change in attitude? Verse 11, he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. Verse 12, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. What causes the psalmist's attitude to change from, 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 from pain to promise, from heart to hope, is he remembers what the Lord has already done for him. And the psalmist, I believe, if he were here, he, he'd use the words of Ty Tribbett. He would say, if he did it before... Help me preach this thing. He can do it again. The psalmist says, I remember the mighty saving acts and miracles of God in the past. He says, not only am I just going to remember, I'm going to meditate on it. He doesn't simply have a memory recall about God's mighty acts. He ruminates on what the Lord has already done. The psalmist teaches us that when your present doesn't make sense, look to the past. Who God was in the past is who God is in the present and will be in the future. Here's how the book Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is immutable, unchanging in his character. And beloved, when life doesn't make sense, you need to take the time to remember, meditate, and ponder when God saved you, healed you, delivered you, provided for you. And look what happens when the psalmist reflects on God's past goodness, his doubt turns into devotion. His mourning turns into magnifying. His wailing turns into worship. Look at verses 13 through 15. He says, your way, O God, is holy. What God it's great like our God. Look, look, he's worshiping. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When he remembers how God has dealt with him in the past and his people, he can't help but worship God, even in the midst of trouble. And when we remember the goodness and character of God, beloved, it draws us to worship. When we remember what God has done for us, we can say that there is none like our God. Therefore, he is great and greatly to be praised. When you look back at God's past goodness, you remember that he's a wonder-working God. He's the God of wonders, signs, and miracles. 
When you remember what God has done for you, you declare his praises for his strength and power. You worship God because he redeemed you. And so we declare, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great is our God? All will sing, how great is our God? Now watch this. In verses 16 through 20, the psalmist remembers God's greatest act of deliverance for the children of Israel, which was delivering them out of Egypt. This this was the single greatest act of redemption in the life of Israel. And it was this moment that defined the psalmist's understanding of God's character. The exodus was the anchor for his weary soul. Beloved, for us New Testament Christians, we too have an exodus event. The place where we find ultimate deliverance is on a hill called Calvary. At Calvary, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, delivered us from the bondage of slavery to sin. At Calvary, Jesus died in our place on an old rugged cross. And like the Old Testament exodus was the anchor for this psalmist weary soul, the cross ought to be our anchor when our souls are weary, beloved. We, when, 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 when we are weary, we ought to take our heartache, pain, weariness, disappointment, doubt, and despair to the cross. Because it's at the cross that God has already proven himself to be for us and not against us. Beloved, at the cross, we remember God loves us. At the cross, we remember God accepts us. At the cross, we remember God favors us. At the cross, we remember God is gracious. At the cross, we remember God is merciful. At the cross, we remember God is faithful. At the cross, we remember as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Beloved, our song today ought to be at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. If you need happiness in the midst of the trouble, it's at the cross. If you need some joy in the midst of pain, it's at the cross. When life doesn't make sense, run to the cross. And so our prayer ought to be this, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There, a precious fountain, free to all. It's a healing stream, and it flows from Calvary's mountain. (laughs) If I was in a Baptist church, I'd be gone right now, y'all. I'd tell Emmanuel, come get on the organ, man, because I'm ready to go. It's near the cross. A trembling soul, love and mercy found me. And there the bright and morning star shed its beam around me near the cross, church. I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting forever, till I reach that golden strand just beyond the river near the cross. That's my prayer when life just doesn't 
makes sense. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word. God, many of us have been through and experiences or are currently experiencing or will experience a period of time where we just can't make sense of what you are doing. We have all been through times where we felt disappointed with you and discouraged and wondered if you had forgotten us and forsaken us. But you have made clear in your word that we can bring our pain to your feet. So God, somebody in this, on this string today needs to lament. They need to bring their pain and their grief to you. So teach us. Hear us. And then God, as we bring our complaints to you, remind us by your spirit who you are and what you've done for us and who you have been and what you have done is who you are and what you will do even now in the midst of our pain, the midst of our trouble. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.